0: frames in betweens a mini podcast about anime i'm your host ben halliburton and with me today is duncan hey there and jeff yellow so we foreshadowed it one of the excellent dramatic techniques but we are in fact doing a tween on x1999 or x the movie or sometimes maddeningly just x uh, which is the movie adaptation of a clamp manga that started in uh, 1992. This movie came out August 3rd, 1996. It's produced by Madhouse and directed by Rintaro uh, with writing by one of the clamp lead writers. I forget which one. Um, I have had a bizarre relationship with this movie ever since the first time I saw it at my friend Chuck's house where someone said they had gotten a really fucked up anime movie. And this is at the point where I had already begun to figure out that people just oversell the fucked upness of anime. And so I Mm. was just like, okay, sure. Whatever you, you made me watch Kaleidoscar star, um, and Jubei Chan beforehand. So I don't really expect much from you. Uh, but then a woman extracted like a great sword out of her womb and then exploded into pieces. Uh, in the first five minutes of the movie, so uh, I I was definitely my bluff was definitely called there. Uh, to give a very light synopsis, uh, X is the story of a young man named Kamui who, through a series of visions, including the aforementioned mother exploding sword one, uh, realizes that he is the deciding factor in a battle between the dragons of heaven who want to preserve the earth as it is and the dragons of earth who want to uh, wipe it off and do a clean slate so that nature can retake the planet. Uh, And through a series of stunningly inconsequential battles, uh, (laughs) his close friend, um, Fuma, the older brother of his love interest Coterie, at least notionally his love interest, uh, picks the other side, and they fight, and he cuts his head off. He, being (laughs) Kamui, cuts Fuma's head off, although they're supposedly the same person, and they refer to him as the other Kamui throughout the movie. Um, Thereby securing a win for the dragons of heaven, but oh no, everyone in the movie has died, and like all of Tokyo has been destroyed uh, because of those worthless shields. So... (laughs) Yeah, I went out, I saw this movie and then I went out and bought a copy, a used copy for $3 uh, Hmm. from Movie Trading Company. It's in window box, which is really annoying to watch. And I have recommended it ceaselessly to anybody who wants just, just an absolute, (laughs) just an absolutely baffling hundred minutes of, of anime fighting and portentous prognostication. So I'm curious what y'all think about it now that I've inflicted (laughs) it on you.
1: Uh, Well, you inflicted on on me a little bit late because I actually had a very similar experience to you. Uh, A friend of (laughs) mine, his older sister, was way into fan subs in the 90s, and she got a VHS of X at probably 1997, 1998. So fresh, so before it had had even gotten its US release in the 2000s. So that's that's saying I'm pretty sure, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we watched it, and I vaguely comprehended what was going on, and I remember coming away from it very confused and unsatisfied. Uh, and then a few years <laughs> later, it got a North American release. I bought it on DVD at like a full price from Future Shop, because I had just <laughs> got a PS2, and so I had the ability to watch DVDs. And that was a great
0: time when everyone suddenly had DVD players now because of their PS2.
1: Yeah, that was amazing. Mm. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched it once more then and was similarly confused. And then I watched it again now because somebody uploaded it to YouTube, so I didn't have to get my D V D out. Uh with a pretty decent uh transla- or uh like translation in the subs. And I mm-hmm. came away with a little bit more. I'm I'm better at filling in the blanks than I used to be. I mean there's a there's lot not blanks. much there's a yeah. lot of blanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and yeah so i i I enjoyed it in that it is a prime franksing target, but we'll get into that,
2: I think like the fact that I was like laughing at it in the first two minutes is is not necessarily the greatest of signs because I, I, I wasn't supposed to be laughing. It's just they'd decided to put an echo on on someone's scream of anguish. And so it was like, ah, ah. Oh! Really corny, really weird, and just a, a very strange production decision. And like, I think something which I can say for this is that generally its art is pretty good. I certainly had some money thrown at it. its various. Uh, destructive uh attacks on uh tokyo but i i gotta say the cast in terms of the va work was completely forgettable to me and but and frankly bad in some moments as well like there were some points where you were obviously least supposed to think someone was cool or someone was tragic and they just sounded terrible
0: yeah i was surprised when i was looking at this that uh that uh kamui is voiced by Seki. Um, who is, uh has a very notable performance in Escaflone, uh, only a couple of years later or a year later. But here, Kamui is a non-entity. Everyone, as you say, Duncan, is like really overselling their lines. There are a lot of people who they expect you to think that they're cool, but first of all, their powers are either poorly defined or seem like an overlap of someone else's powers. This is, I think, one of the biggest weaknesses of just the the movie as just uh, a data object is that you expect everyone to have like different superpowers and that's not how it happens. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of like really there's like the girl who's like permanently, Mm -hmm. (laughs) permanently fused to a computer. And there's the, there's the girl who's like a sex worker and can control fire and there's just a businessman. And yet it's all really, you don't get a sense for anybody basically um, besides maybe the two, the two witches, the good witch and the bad witch who, um, mm-hmm. are stage managing this uh, apocalyptic showdown. And one of them named Canoe, or Kanoe, if you mm-hmm. if you know how to do Japanese pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> I think
2: we're basically sent to the climax of a a franchise without any prep. I assume this, like, here's, here's my big question, mm-hmm. is, like, are, it, are you supposed to have been reading and watching stuff before you watch this? Because if you're coming in cold, it does give no it gives no shits at all
1: (laughs) so the movie was released in 1996 which is roughly Mm -hmm. a third of the way through the run of the manga uh it had decidedly not been finished by now and i think a lot of it was just that weird time in the 90s where you would just make a movie about a manga that was notionally, like, on the vibe of the manga, but had no real connection to it. And you just, you know, around the same time is when that JoJo's OVA came out, which was inexplicably, you know, six episodes from the second half of the third arc with no explanation whatsoever. And they just gave it to you and said, here's some nice nice animation, here's some crazy fights, and here's some ridiculous lore, enjoy.
0: Yeah, it feels like they're coming off of the, the OVA boom of the late 80s and early 90s, where you would just like make a 55 minute OVA about just this cool guy who could shoot lasers from his forehead and like a team of army dudes trying to shoot him down. And that's the plot, that's it. And I think that uh, this, the feature length of X 1999, as I'm gonna call it to avoid confusion with the, either the manga or the TV series, uh, X-1999 uses a little bit more of its time To try to set up these apocalyptic stakes And I do like the differing pitches For the dragons of heaven versus earth um, The dragons of the earth Obviously have a stupid Objective because they will die um, If they if they achieve their goals um, By wiping out all humankind But at the very least Showing showing Tokyo after the ruins And having it be uh, This sort of like the earth without us Um that had not become popular, would not become popular for another decade or more as a kind of imagining of the future. I think that does a good job of setting up the conflict, but the rest of it is just 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. And, (laughs) and yeah, like it's, it's purely a vehicle to go from fight to fight. They only had seven volumes done. um, And a lot of the characters that are introduced, well, a couple of the characters that are introduced are just made up for the movie because they hadn't been, they hadn't gotten to the point in the manga where that dragon was revealed. And so they worked with one of the writers of the manga to come up with a, a movie original character, like a, uh, like the terrible guy who can like do who can just like control all water. It seems like like it seems like rain, but then he's like yeah. can make like, drill water drills and shit. Like he's made up, and apparently he's supposed to be a high school student, which is ridiculous because he's six foot eight mm. and has a three foot sh- shoulder width. But uh, yeah,
1: I mean that's the nineties. Yeah, that's, that, that's Clamp
0: especially too. <laughs> um but yeah it's yeah. it does feel like it's from the tradition of just making a cool thing that doesn't have any fictional backdrop but then they do have all these prophecy scenes and these vision scenes and like kotori when she gets kidnapped uh my friend made so much fun of this the first time we watch when she's like getting dragged into the muck by the sorceress and she's not making a sound she's like She's being dragged, like, literally yeah. kidnapped by an evil, like oil oil magic, and and doesn't do it doesn't do anything. Like when she's trapped in the dream, and then everyone goes to the dream to see her, and then we cut her head off. Her head gets cut off like three times in this movie. It's it's really over the top. Uh, there's just a lot of like baggage there that makes the movie feel almost a bit more empty because it's such a it's such a swing between these dreamy prophecies and just extremely gory, extremely destructive fights. It feels like the movie is ex- exclusively set up just to watch like large parts of Tokyo get destroyed um all at this at once. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's great destruction. Like I I raved about the dirty pair like cracking sidewalk, but man, you watch some buildings
2: fall apart in real time and that's that's good stuff. I had some some weird reservations about the destruction in that kind of remind me of, of some of the criticisms that get flung at um, Man of Steel in recent years where you have these convenient areas where there's there's no one ever, th- They put up a shield and it's separated in a different reality from the rest of Tokyo. So, yeah, these dragons can just battle out and completely destroy skyscrapers and there's no one around. And yet... (laughs) And and when one of them dies, the entire thing collapses and this destruction comes to the real world. And yet we don't ever see people, like, evacuating Tokyo because half of it's been wiped out in this, like, mass panic... All, all we get at the end is some people running away from I think it's the Japanese parliament um, mm-hmm. and one of the towers and what also bugged, I don't know if this is a bug or not but I think some of the, it seemed considering how happy it was to kill its main characters and gruesomely hurt them, it seemed like everyone dodged that rubble, not one bystander got hit <laughs> by a, a rock you never saw <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, the
0: the white-haired, blind, deaf, mute princess who's on the dragons of heaven side does get crushed by rubble in the end. That's because she lives under Parliament and Parliament crumbles on top of her. Yeah. But otherwise, and she's, yes. and she's a
2: named yeah. character. She's not a nobody.
0: Uh, hey, look, Duncan. They have twenty characters. They have to they have to name, characterize, and then kill off. So they don't yep. have time for <laughs> for extras. It's...
1: One thing I. Th- Found sort of fascinating and this is this is me going to full frank's mode now so <laughs> full warning the the degree to which the movie is just utterly bleak and hopeless is sort of fascinating mm-hmm. because the, the, the dragon like neither side has a positive vision for the future the the dragons of earth want to destroy humanity and return the earth to its natural state but the Dragons of Heaven have the exact same vision of the future, but instead of thinking that it's good, they want to fight that future. They're afraid of it. When uh, Hito... The Good Witch. The Good Witch of the the Heavens. Hinoto. Hinoto. She shows Kamui a vision of the future, and it's like Tokyo destroyed. And she says, you know, please help us stop this from happening. Whereas... Uh, Kanoe, a.k.a. Carla from Lodos War, <laughs> uh, gets Fuma to join. She shows him basically the exact same vision of the future and says, look how wonderful this is. Yeah, it's a and... matter of lighting
0: almost. That's that's all it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's also interesting that, you know, the, the the conflicts take place around these landmarks in Tokyo, which in the fiction of the show have a... Like a mystical barrier that prevents the dragons of the earth from destroying the earth, whatever. But it's like you were saying, it's the Japanese parliament. It is uh, Shinjuku. It is uh, basically symbols of modernity, like Tokyo Tower, and yeah, big old finale on Tokyo. And Tower. it's almost like the the dragons of the of the heavens represent a sort of like failed. Like modern consensus of you know, like like their like their battles inside the barriers is like a prime example where the dragons of heaven can create this sort of like parallel universe where they can have their fights. But if they lose that fight, then all the destruction that happens comes into the into our world, and that means that you know they you know they ostensibly oppose the dragons of earth who want to destroy the earth, but they believe that like oh we can we can use the same destructive power for good. We'll just like, we'll do it smart. We'll do it selectively. We'll only kill the people we want to kill. Then oops, you know, our mistake, our bad. We accidentally destroyed five square kilometers of Tokyo. We'll do better next time. And the, and, and all of the, the dragons of heaven sort of represent sort of, you know, not, a group of people who like, you know, we believe in the, in this time, we believe in the status quo. It's almost always, we have a thing I, you know, that we individually want to protect. Like I have my self image of a hero and I want to protect this girl and I want to die well. Or the, the businessman who has his family or the, uh, the sex worker with a heart of gold, who's like, you know, she loves her city and she has her like Christian faith, but none of them are like, enthusiastic about the way things are. Like Hinoto, the blind priestess, is effectively enslaved by the parliament who use her for their political games. And actually the only bystanders that we see get killed are politicians running from the parliament getting crushed by the building along with everybody else. And on the other side of the dragons of the earth, you have all of your sort of wastrels of society like... You know, you have like the fatigues guy who kind of in the 90s reads as like an outsider. And you have the e-girl who is online all the time and eventually gets killed by the Internet when she shows an interest in a real boy. And they sort of, you know, they represent, a you know, a nihilistic hopelessness that turns into just mindless rage. And, you know, most of them actually get killed by Fuma when he's completely overtaken by the like dark camoey persona as a sort of you know nod to the fact that like yeah these guys have sort of given into their hopelessness and they've been destroyed by it but on the other side simply opposing that hopelessness with no better vision of the future is not serving the dragons of heaven any better and it's it's in that that i think the conflict depicted here is kind of interesting like even the water guy could be read as because this is the 90s so like the vision of climate disaster in the future was that the world would be flooded because of climate change. And, you know, because it's like this was when Water World was coming out and, you know, everybody's, you know, assumed that like, oh, we're all gonna drown. And so this guy is like he's the water guy. He, you know, he he douses the, you know, humanity. He douses the the flame of the the weird sex worker girl. And that's, you know, it, they all sort of, like, stand in for these, like, very broad ideas, but, you know, as actual characters in a movie, they're barely
2: there, yeah. like Ben was saying. It's it's very much, like, it does seem to be, like, all the dragons of the earth are, as you say, like, they're dragons. Of the Earth, they represent aspects of the Earth. Like there's the guy who who like uses the wind, and there's the guy who uses his water, and that they're all, There's also like, a guy,
0: but I'm gonna point out there is a guy who uses paper also among the dragons yeah. of the Earth. But that's is, is that again paper? the power so that was cloth. yeah, like
1: the, their powers, <laughs> okay. but never mind. It, it, it's something, yeah. Like it, it, all all of their powers are almost uniformly just they they kind of look cool. <laughs> and you know it allows them to fly and shoot beams at each other you know sometimes the beams are made of fire <laughs> sometimes the beams have made of water yeah. i didn't mean to cut you
0: off i just want i just like the powers are arbitrary but i do like the idea of yeah. of powers grounded in modernity versus powers grounded in, in naturalism but i think that the movie kind of eschews that that sort of clean division and there are some things that are that are uh that hint at that like the army guy um, whose power is largely getting his arm torn off by a ghost dog. Um, but he, <laughs> um, but like reading and like, oh yeah, he um, he's actually like a pacifist and believes in the value of all life and is therefore the dragon of the earth least likely to actually agree with the dragon of the earth's goals because he doesn't want to. But we don't see that in the movie. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know why I'm bringing it up. Um, but but yeah, it yeah. is it's the idea that, that there's something more nuanced and these factions have more character besides just Deciding how they feel about the imminent apocalypse, which is a which is like the bedrock of Japanese apocalypticism, especially millenarian apocalypticism of the late nineties, is just the idea that like in evangelion in lane we're all going to die it's just how do you feel about it? how do you face it? Is it the good death um is it trying to save the people close to you and so on mm-hmm. and so forth mm-hmm. it's
2: interesting to me to me the the sort of um Design and power choices of the like two main ad- adult women in the show, which is uh, Karen and Kanoi. Um, like Karen, as you, as you've mentioned, is a, a sex worker, and her her power is fire. So like that's a flame passion. Like that's a fairly easy e e line to draw, which is drawn a fair amount. And you've got Kanoi, whose power seems to be blood. And so you've kind of got like you you just need actually you do have a maiden, maiden mother you know the third um mm-hmm. so you've got kind of like the you've kind of got the 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 triptych amongst the dragons you've got the the the, the completely maidenly young girl who's innocence and she doesn't even use her powers herself it's an externalized spirit which does all her fighting for her you've got the sort of mother whose powers like this oozing blood which swallows people and and drags them inside her and then you've got the fiery lady whose power is her passion and like it feels like you're drawing on some fairly fundamental and elemental um archetypes there like it's not the the most original of of shows in in the way it decides to draw up its little like pantheon
1: and i think that's largely the strength of the show (laughs) it's it's drawing on symbols that you are familiar with and Allowing you to fill in the blanks, because what they're there for is the destruction and the combat and very occasionally the tits. Like there is like full frontal nudity in the first five minutes and then surprisingly not much after that. It's mostly just gore. And And that
0: nudity is profoundly unsexy, too. It's important. (laughs) Like it's someone's mom and she. Yeah. And then she reaches in through her stomach to pull out a sword and then she gets drawn and quartered by invisible forces, and just flings off into the night, mm-hmm. um, which is apparently something that literally had like like uh, reading the synopsis just to make sure I hadn't missed anything in my nth viewing of this movie. Like that's something that's like a literal that literally happens uh, <laughs> accordingly, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just it's unreal. Like the idea that there is stuff going on, but they're they're is our gestures to depth that the movie just completely uninterested in exploring, I think is part of what makes the movie fascinating. Um, because obviously someone, someone wouldn't set out with a pad of paper and make this movie exactly how it is. De novo from, from scratch. Like this is obviously just one of the most like aggressively, like compacting, brutal adap- adaptations I've seen, especially in the anime space. And it's funny the ways that the movie suffers from it, and doesn't really suffer from it, just because the the different uh, expectations of a shonen plot and shonen characters and a resolution. Or I guess this is this is closer to seinen, isn't it? Yeah, I don't I know what are genre, what are genres. Actually, anyway? I,
1: I think I think this might actually be technically shojo. Um, a lot oh, you're right. of the action yeah, and gore got. Yeah, like a lot of the Action Gore got criticized by their editors because they were like, this is for young girls. You remember that,
2: right? And <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're pr- it's certainly you're right that the designs are uh, as typical with Clamp leaning on the shoujo side. Um, they're not as um, exaggerated as something like Exaholic, for instance, but they're certainly... Tall, thin men abound. Um, yeah, very,
1: like yeah, like the '80s, like t- desire for like giant, cut, triangle-shaped guys with you know, enormous chins had not quite
2: <laughs> worn off. You ben. still get one guy who's, who's who, as Ben says, the, the ex, the, the military guy who's still kind of like the buff old man who they randomly wander into in the street one day, seemingly like he's mm. just he's like, hey, your dog,
0: ah, oh, my arm. Uh, everyone's death sorry I can't every time I talk about any character in X all I can do is just make fun of their death because like everyone dies so no one gets a particularly noble or worthwhile death especially because as you pointed out earlier Duncan like when you die the shield goes down and you destroy like an entire district of Tokyo so like there's no noble death because your death is, is failure destruction and the death of tens of thousands maybe hundreds of thousands of other people but, like, yeah, they, they kill each other. Uh, Karen lights a train on fire before it crashes into her, doing nothing besides just making your own death more
2: extreme and painful. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that kind of brings us, like, uh, literally to the, the crux of the thing, which is the, the finale, where uh, after this uh, hundred or so minutes of um, uh, Fighting and big battles, they charge at each other with the short with swords, and one just cuts the other's head off. Like it's kind of matter of factly. Like there's there's so little b- all build up to Camuri actually doing something. I think it's like the first really aggressive action he takes in in the whole thing is he he just like gets his sword sword out, chops the other guy's head head off, and that's that. It's like the whole whole film is him being told to get into the robot and when he finally does he's so overwhelmingly powerful he one-shots the the his supposed dark equivalent which i i can't, i don't know if is that is that exactly what they're going for like this guy is so powerful so completely literally god tier that the moment he makes that decision that decision's going to happen but he spends this hundred minutes refusing to make this decision and and dozens if not hundreds of thousands of people die because of his inability to make that decision
1: so the the contradiction of the main character kamui is that he wants to protect kotori and fuma uh his two childhood friends he has this godlike power and he's destined to be the deciding factor in this battle, but he doesn't care about the battle. He only wants to protect his friends, but his inaction largely, you know, results in the death of, uh, Kotori and Fuma turning into a monster and he ends the fight, but also destroys everything that he had set out to protect. And, I think that is kind of the point. Mm -hmm. Like he, he chooses the world over his own personal desires because a failure to do so would mean like, you know, the last seal is broken and the earth is destroyed, but that means he has to take the lives of the people who are closest to him. And, The fact that the the fight is over so quickly is basically because that was the fight that he'd been having with himself for the whole movie. You know, if he would had he I, I can't remember if he ever actually had the opportunity to do it sooner because that's another failure. Like there's he's never really actively refusing to live up to it. He basically just sort of listlessly meanders mm-hmm. around, you know, sort of tells anybody who he comes across like, Oh, I just want to protect my friends. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. It's a big thing going on I, though. Just, and it's like, I guess, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess, I guess you guys are the ones who are opposing the people who have captured my friends. So I'll join you, but I don't want to, I don't care about the world. And like, and so in it, it's kind of a failure on that front because it, it's never really made explicit that he, he's having to make a choice, you know, to, You know, know, the benefit of the world versus himself, which everybody else is sort of just either afraid of the future or wanting their own selfish desires. And, you know, he overcomes that and breaks the cycle and, you know, but and then like and then, you know, the movie ends literally seconds after he cuts off his best friend's head and, you know, he's cradling Mm. his severed. You know, head, and then the the credits roll, and there's like there's nothing else after that. Like it's just <laughs> the best
0: the best emblem of this of this movie's obsession with decapitations is just ending with a guy holding a head and crying about it. But yeah, yeah. I, it, it's really frustrating. I agree that that um, Kamui's never never really emerges as a character, despite being named Kamui Shiro, so like White God, which is a hell of a a hell of a choice. But um, yeah. but yeah, just the the fact that like. He doesn't make the decision. Fuma just gets his, like, timed-in-the-movie switch flipped and then just goes through killing the rest of the cast and finishes with Kamui, who kills him, out of sheer necessity. So that's kind of a a weird wrinkle. Sorry,
2: Duncan, you were going to say something? Yeah, um, I just wondered uh, uh, a bit about um, uh, uh, Kotori's role in this, because she gets fridge- Fairly badly, I think, in a way, like, kind of like horrendously for minutes on end. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it seems.
1: Yeah. Fridge for two different characters who are also (laughs)
2: simultaneously the same character. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I want. I. I. Obviously, because this is so abridged, like, we have to, like, wonder, like, how much her role is compressed. And I. We sort of see Fuma finally go, like, full full mad, mad i'm gonna kill everyone when he draws this sword from uh, Kotori, having previously sort of started his journey down to this by seeing Kamuri kill her with the same sword um and i i throughout the the early parts of the thing there's a couple of scenes where uh, kamari he walks up to a, b- a bedroom where Hitorik. Kotori's sleeping, and she's like, "Oh, something's growing inside of me," and he's like, uh, repelled by it, and and goes away, and it's, it seems seemingly no f- further investigates that, and I'm kind. It kind of seems like the question which that leaves up in, in the air to me is like, this sword which is inside her is supposedly represents her pure love for Kamui, and so if he had. Could he have took that sword, slash, embraced her love in a way that means she would have not been damned? And it was only the fact that he was basically too scared to make this declaration of love for her, which ended up in her getting destroyed and damning her his own uh, best friend in the same thing by his cowardice. I'm probably going. It-
1: I mean, I think that is a really interesting observation <laughs> that is unfortunately undermined by what Ben was saying earlier where his own mother also explodes as a sword is drawn out of her presumably having been created through the same love energy but that's never explicitly stated you know you're just these are all just connections to be made by the viewer and the
0: and the but most I and think the most frustrating thing furthermore is that uh <laughs> is that like you won't get the answer if you read the manga because the manga is running on a completely separate train of events um especially by the time that like that sort of stuff with Kotori starts happening it makes me want to read the manga cuz people love X but the movie doesn't really give you a reason why sorry go ahead jeff
1: <laughs> um yeah i was just going to say that i think Kamui's inability to act to save Kotori because he sees Fuma at the same time doing this. And he's paralyzed by the fact that, you know, these are the people I want to protect, but to stop this, I will have to break my promise. And then, you know, the bad thing happens. And I like mostly the movie is just about like, Hey, violence is bad. And a cycle of violence will lead everyone to tragedy. And you have to break the cycle of violence. Like I think if, if this movie has any message whatsoever, it's that, Mm -hmm. but symbolically it's very muddled and confused and like Ben was saying very packed with you know yeah, 10 pounds of shit in a 5 pound bag <laughs> and you could and but I think I think that you know the idea that you know he could have prevented it by accepting her earlier is I think as good a uh, a read on it as yeah, anything I like that I like that, <laughs> that movie. I'm coming up I wish with. I could have watched that movie but
0: <laughs> instead
1: yeah <laughs> I'm kind of glad that this movie is as bad as it is, because I don't know think it could ever have been as good as any one of us imagined it could have been.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will report back if I, if I end up reading the X manga, and then I'm just like, guess what, guys? It's actually not... <laughs> but then I've also been tainted by the movie. Maybe that's my problem. I need to, like, get the Men in Black mind wiper device before I, before I read a violent, apocalyptic shoujo manga.
1: Yeah. I'm... Well, just wait six months. I'm sure your mind oh, yeah. will like it out yeah
0: i mean this is a manga that got put on hiatus because uh the the great hanshin earthquake in 1995 was considered to like make it in bad taste to show tokyo getting destroyed so so it's a it's Mm. at the nexus of a lot of things
2: i'd be interested Mm. to know who the sort of key animators were and like there's someone out there who animates debris really well and Mm -hmm. I'm sure sure they've gone on to great things but and I I guess that's the 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 other thing to say is like it's animation is very much of its time it's very much of the high budget cell animation era um, which it it, I I I cracked a smile at the in the opening um, credits for when they had the I think the Kurdakawa logo on and, and there was this very bad CGI dragon. And it, it was like, ah, that's the era you're from. No, no CGI versus um, um, hand-drawn argument here. <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear where where one is and where the other is. Um, the one other thing I, I'd ask you two, because um, Andy brought it up, although he sadly can't be with us, um, is that he was quite fond of the music for it. He, he said it had quite a, I think, a jazzy soundscape. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um the the music uh person in charge of music is Yasuaki Shimizu um who in terms of anime work had had only done um New Tetsujin 28 Shin Tetsujin 28 back in the 80s. Otherwise I don't really know what he's done. Oh, nope, here we go. Um he's a composer, saxophonist and producer, known best for his interpretation of Bach music. So yeah, he does have a jazz background. He does arang- jazz arrangements a lot of the time, too. So what a what a weird pull for,
2: <laughs> well for, done Andy. for a
0: composer. Yeah, good job, Andy, <laughs> our music guy.
2: Mm-hmm. From now on, whether he likes it or not.
0: Yep, yep, he's doomed.
2: <laughs>
0: but and yeah, as dark
2: Andy it... comes and uh, <laughs> destroys him. <laughs>
0: Oh, geez, um, just instantly just gets turned into like a, a nonstop murderer, just murdering his way through his own team for no reason. Besides, the, like, I'm evil now. So well, I'm, yeah.
2: I live closest to him. So this, I'm first. This is the this destruction that all of y'all wanted. <laughs> he has his final confrontation against Ben after he's he's worked his way across the states.
0: There's a lot of America Destroy. I mean, I was going to make a joke earlier when Jeff was talking about about two sides with equivalent visions of the apocalypse i was like yep it's like being a it's like being a democrat voter in 2020 but um
1: i you know what i was gonna like talk about like how this is a movie about the failure of liberalism but i wasn't gonna go there but then you went there so now i get to go there no I've
2: no, just been there that's that's it <laughs> yeah it's the reds. it's the it's the reds versus the whites jeff it's 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 it's, 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 it's a revolutionary show there's no doubt about it. Well,
1: that's the thing. Like it's, I th- well, I mean, I think it's. It that is also very much of the time that it was. You know, the whole world was kind of in that like end of history mode, and and you know, in that capitalist realism idea that it's easier to v- imagine the end of the world than a better world, and that's sort of what this movie wallows in. Like the the dragons of heaven don't are only really the good guys insofar as they oppose the people who want absolute and total destruction, but they are mostly driven by a desire to cling on to the present, you know, no matter how disappointing it is because of the few good things that are left. Whereas, you know, the dragons of earth are arguably the progressive force who want something different because again, this is of the era that. It was generally believed that we were going to end all life on earth through our, you know through our actions and that it was only the wiping out of humanity that would save the earth now i think we've mostly come to the <laughs> to the uh maybe better maybe worse decision that no it's actually people who are more or yeah. less doomed the earth is going to be fine <laughs> well,
2: as you say x started publishing in 1992 just after fukuyama throughout the end of history so that tracks yeah. <laughs>
0: Actually, I'm, yeah, I'm just looking through the the credits. So many people worked on this, but I guess it's what that's how making an anime movie of this level of quality was mm-hmm. in the mid '90s. Is you just have yeah. you just have three, you have six assistant animation directors, you have an assistant art director, two assistant directors, and then just <laughs> and then eight co assistant directors, <laughs> and then just a million people doing keyframes and in betweens. So. Yeah, I'm sure everybody could connect up to something. The uh, the chief animation director ended up working on an episode of uh, of Dirty Pair for keyframes, or had had started out working working on that first. So, I'm sure there's a lot of good people if you were to dig through the detailed listings on Anime News Network or annie DB. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it is visually stunning. I I mean I can't say that enough. Like even as I mock everyone's stupid deaths and the constant decapitations and the show's obvious fetish for crumbling buildings like all those look really good and i i would not be surprised if some some kid uh watched this movie at exactly the right age and then went into went into making anime themselves just because like this Mm -hmm. is a very tantalizing enticing movie even as even as like just dumb and kind of nihilistic and cruel as it is it's a very cruel movie but it is mm-hmm. <laughs> visually spectacular cruelty uh, to reference the state of American politics
1: again
3: uh,
1: <laughs> yeah and like and a lot of like you know I was talking about the type moon uh, games and mangas and movies they're very much in the same sort of vibe of like random supernatural fighters gathering in Tokyo to do a, a tournament of sorts like that kind of stuff is just it, it, it's inescapable, and personally, intriguing. I like that stuff as well. I think you could probably make a fairly decent fighting game cast out of the people who we are presented with oh, absolutely. here. For the most part, they're they're visually interesting, if not dramatically interesting. And then,
0: if you beat the entire campaign, uh Kami Kami unlocks an alternate costume where he's Fuma. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, the end. He's slightly taller and slightly wider. He looks 35, but he's supposed to be 17. Has a larger
0: hitbox, <laughs> which is only a downside. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's go ahead and do our usual thing that we did from the Monogatari series, and just wrap this up with like cool, funny, dumb, or random stuff that we that we liked from it that we haven't haven't covered yet, and then we'll go ahead and
2: uh, wish everyone a happy new year and all that. <laughs> I still can't get out of my head the, the dumb sort of Wilhelm-esque, Wilhelm esque Wilhelm <laughs> scream esque moment in the first first few minutes. You need you need a bit better performance there, mate. <laughs> well, I mean, let's see you do
0: better when you appear in someone's dream and tell them to go to go to Tokyo and then blow
2: up. Yeah, but it's just like how <laughs> when when I look at like the cast list, there's a load of really good VAs here, and it's mm-hmm. like. It just, is, it's just so forgettable. Like, just is absolutely nothing for them to work with. Or I don't know. It's just like good, good V A performances can really sell something. Like even when it's it's really bad. But this is just like I don't know if they, it was just like spinning their wheels just because there's literally no purchase in the plot for any characterization to be drawn. Or just like director's like, yeah, just speak in the mic. Yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> just, just read, read what's on the paper. <laughs> But like, yeah, the 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 hacker girl is Kotono Mitsuishi. It's ridiculous. One of the greatest living, greatest ever voice actresses, and they just stuff her inside a computer for a bit, and then she dies. And mm-hmm. That's all. Bye.
2: <laughs> <sighs> Come on, you two. <laughs> Moments.
1: All right. I was gonna say I really like that Satsuki and the Beast. Her computer that you were just talking about, sort of. Makes it possible to cast this as like, oh, this movie predicted Gamergate because you had He's like the bad guys who are just like a bunch of like edge lords and dumbasses and one girl who is going along with them. And then when she shows any romantic interest to anybody, her demons who live inside her computer consume her and kill her and say, nobody else can have her but us. And it's just like, oh, that's. It's it's grim, but also darkly pretentious, and also a little bit pretentious.
0: And on the other <laughs> side are sex workers and women who own dogs. So yeah, that definitely does does track.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, you've got your you got your mommy blogger on one side, and you got your like <laughs> e girl on the other side.
0: Oh jeez, Jeff. Uh, I mean, <laughs> so uh, I think I've mentioned all the things that I that I really find just like fast pressure points of fascination the the obsession with decapitations just like they realize that like we're a movie and we can just do decapitations as much as we want and there's specific one where it's from behind uh coterie and then you see her head fall off of her body um from under her like left armpit uh it's just it's it's like artistic artistic decapitations gonna love love uh lighting a train on fire before it hits you love the supreme uselessness of the shields um where they protect it protect an area of the city until its holder dies but everyone dies in this movie so not a single part of tokyo is protected by a Mm -hmm. shield so it's literally just superfluous they could have cut all the shield bullshit and they would have had maybe 10 more minutes for like some dragons to have a conversation that makes them seem like actual people um yeah, I love I love Kotri getting kidnapped. I busted a gut for like the fifth time of watching her just like slowly get dragged away, and all she has to do is be like, "Hey, help!" But no, she doesn't make a single noise until <laughs> Fuma of his own of his own reconnaissance turns around and sees <laughs> sees his sister <laughs> sinking into a pile of magical muck and just follows her in. And, oh, it's so it's so this 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 movie's pacing is just hilarious. It's they knew that they had. They knew they had 90 minutes to, to to tell this whole damn story. And so like, yeah, that's for the same reason that Fuma just activates to like, and just team kills his whole team and, and then, and then comes to kill his best friend because he's decided that they're equal and opposites because an, an evil witch under the city told him so. Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> who hasn't done it?
1: i think at some point they're like oh he's he's been overtaken by the spirit and he's he doesn't remember anything he's just a being of pure carnage and it's like okay cool i guess cool. um would that have
0: happened to kamui or yeah don't don't, don't ask me many questions uh i like yeah. the dog i like how i actually that's one of my favorite like legitimate favorite as opposed to just like weird sneering favorite uh is is the the army guy like petting the dog and then she, they like walk on these she's like wait a minute my dog's a ghost how can you see it <laughs> and they, they have a fight because it's it's X-1999
1: yep <sighs> yeah apparently in the manga that guy becomes their friend and switches sides and then later on gets killed by Fuma
0: see that's cool like the fact that the fact that it's just like the way that the movie just takes it as given that there are, there are 17 dragons of the earth, there are seven dragons of the earth, seven dragons of heaven. Don't ask so many questions. Uh, we'll win if we kill all of them. They'll win if they kill all of us. It's, it literally feels like someone trying to explain, like, TF2 capture the flag or something to someone real quick. Just don't yeah. ask. There's seven classes. And it, just <laughs> kill everyone you
1: see. But but the, the thing is that there isn't <laughs> seven dragons of the earth. There's, there's one point where somebody's like, wait a minute. uh-uh. Uh <laughs> 'cause because like I think it's only six characters on the on the heaven side. Oh,
0: really? I thought I always thought it was seven and seven.
1: Because like like cause I I looked at the wiki and there was like a couple entries for the dragons of heaven who are just like oh this guy wasn't in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just everything is moving so quickly and so confusingly that you just you never get an opportunity to count everybody who's on the yeah, screen. They,
0: they just had to kill them off. I mean, like they they literally just grist for the it, mill. So yeah. Oh, I also found out just looking at the, looking at the a wikipedia page right now that's called x because it's a common variable and it's a generic placeholder for anything it has no fixed meaning and also it's a cruciform <laughs> <laughs> awesome love this man things were so possible yep. in the early 90s you could just write apocalyptic fiction about anything i'm i'm envious honestly just this weird just weird all we had to
1: look forward to back this then. weird
0: syncretic apocalypse where just like yeah, Tokyo's the center of it. There's like some Miyoji flavored stuff there, but it's not really brought to the fore. I understand that in the manga, Onmyoji is like, like that sort of traditional magic is much more strongly integrated here. Just all the dragons of the heaven, um, dragons of the heavens tends to have to shrines across like that's where they draw. And in the manga, apparently. Um, one of the women has sex and loses her powers because she has to be, like, a shrine maiden for them to work. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Classic. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I would recommend that you watch it. Unfortunately, it's very hard to find unless you have a used uh, DVD store that carries anime near or you. YouTube. Uh,
1: or, or YouTube. A, or YouTube. Yeah, or access to the YouTube uh, search that, bar. For the you... moment. Anyway. I mean, I, I,
0: yeah, I presume it'll get <laughs> taken down because that only has 1.6 thousand views, so uh i imagine that it's it goes down and comes back up a lot so we are not necessarily recommending piracy even youtube
1: piracy which is
0: barely even piracy <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean we come at me if there was a legitimate source that we could point you to we would point would, you to i it. would love to but there is i would love one, to can you so. even watch can you even watch the tv show does that stream anywhere That's a fantastic question Came out six years after the movie. It's unfunny. Probably has zero connection whatsoever. Really, it's unfunny. Yeah, funny's got it. My God. Mm. So yeah, I guess I guess watch fun animation.
0: Yeah, watch watch uh, the TV show, yeah. which literally anyone who's a fan will tell you, like, oh, you watched the movie, I and mean, you should probably watch the TV show. It's better, um, even though apparently <laughs> the TV show doesn't doesn't properly adapt the manga by some fan standards. But that's also just
2: being on the internet
0: ever for any length of time and so, this
2: movie showed us that that being on the internet does not end well So, but yep. also watch the fuck out if you see a dog on the street because it may rip off your arm well
0: just
1: don't pat that dog and
2: then <laughs> no one will realise yeah.
0: ignore all dogs
1: <laughs> it'll be fine that dog is probably a ghost and log off those those are the two lessons to be taken away from this also movie. if you
0: get kidnapped into an oil puddle just say something to the people around you please yeah, I'm yeah. you. it's
1: like see something say something <laughs>
0: <laughs> just, just seem to have a meme of just like the like a, a green circle for like someone refusing to pet a dog and like a red circle a red x for someone sinking into a puddle of mud <laughs> Baffling X memes from your friends mm-hmm. at Keyframes. Merry fucking Christmas. Yo ho ho.
1: Happy yeah, new let's year.
0: wrap it up there, I guess. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Uh, remember, rate, review, and subscribe to us uh, on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook, search for Keyframes Podcast. Email us questions about why we chose to make an episode about this particular anime movie from from 25 years ago oh no oh i'm so old yeah uh e-framespodcast at gmail.com and tell a friend don't tell a friend about that i mean yeah actually that's how we all but that's how you and me both watched it jeff so and i guess duncan technically too so mm-hmm. yeah tell a friend about x 1999 um tell them that anime is art and then put this shit on and see how yeah. long they take to call you out and if they don't then they're a true friend and you should show them this podcast <laughs> Just don't decapitate them. (laughs) Just don't decapitate them. Don't let them kill their sister to get a sword to try to kill you because they've convinced themselves that they're your polar opposite. That's probably not not your friend. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. not you. You... Say goodbye. 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 Goodbye.
3: Oh hello! It's uh, the keyframes music man Andy here to sort of uh, get my feelings on what I felt like uh, regarding the music and actually um, the pain that was X 1999. So uh, my comment on the music was more that it it felt kind of like reactionary jazz in a way. So every time a a building pulled or a or a blade hit or a punch was pulled. Felt like it was reacting to what was happening on screen, as opposed to being a supplement to what's on screen, which is kind of weird. And it also felt like it was just constantly going throughout, especially the use of um, the oboe in the most sombre of parts. Uh, but what I did think was interesting was it was kind of it felt it was made. Uh, at a time before sort of conventional music things and sound effects were really um stylized and uh and rope, you know or 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 troped i think is the better word um in the way that you know you you, you the react the the sound effects were just odd and off and it was that kind of thing that made the whole movie alienated. Uh, my opinion of the movie, on top of the interesting score, which I felt was actually the best part. I really liked the score. felt felt like something that, I don't know, a slower Sons of Kemet might have improvised. But I, I felt that, all in all, uh, watching X-1999, <laughs> I just kind of felt sad. I I didn't really find it funny. I just found it really sad in the way that you know as Duncan mentioned this is a written done at a time before any animation was digitized so everything was hand drawn everything was cell drawn and it looked beautiful and it was very nicely drawn pretty much throughout sure they reused a couple of Sakugo when a building would fall like four times. But all in all, it was mostly independent and new cells. And it, it just made me really sad because they obviously... I mean, watching the whole movie, you must feel that it's a bit of a stinker. It didn't really make sense. And, and it was confusing at best. And I, it just makes me wonder sort of at that moment of a director or of a film film creator's sort of journey... You've spent so much money on making this thing only for the end result to be kind of pants like you couldn't have escaped everybody to know that this is not a very good movie but somehow they they released it and i don't know it it was interesting again like i thought the characters were non-existent like, fighting characters is the best way to describe it they really just came and punched a few dudes and died um it was hard because the characters weren't developed or interesting. Uh occasionally you just have to get any sort of cues and prompts from what they're wearing and how they're acting and how they're talking. Uh to be honest, I actually didn't find most of it confusing or like lost on me. It just wasn't very interesting. Uh, I think that maybe me watching too much anime at this point has sort of given me the the shorthand visual styles and elements that has made me comprehend and understand what's going on a lot quicker than maybe people in the 90s watching this anime and just being like this is a a wild show um so none of that was really lost on me It, it was just not very interesting and not very fun um i didn't really laugh at all if i'm being perfectly honest i just just sat there wondering why Ben even recommended me this movie. Um, I won't be recommending it, not even as a laugh. I don't think. Yeah. Um. Also, the other thing I just want to mention: the force fields thing. That's uh, not technically true. The Tokyo Tower was saved. Uh, at the end, but you know, every time a force field came up for every character, um, it did kind of feel lost, like a death flag. Like, oh this person's gonna die. No, this person's going to die. No, this person's going to die. And to be honest, I I felt it was more of like a film like Fist of the North Star. You know, we talked about it in previous episodes. It's just a compilation of best bits that are animated beautifully so people can really enjoy it. I thought that that was the same thing with this, but from the sounds of things, it doesn't even like it followed the manga. So I don't know what the hell they were doing. Maybe they just got excited because of the golden anime boom. So they were like, just pump out whatever you can now because people loved the animes, so I don't know. Overall, it was a bad film. And I felt sad for watching it and thinking of how many how many people's lives and stress and anxiety was poured over this 90 minutes of fairly average movie. Uh, and don't don't just tell anyone, Ben, uh if I were you, I'd tell the person who um who liked to show you really like graphic descriptions and images of people cutting heads off their heads off, and then showing them from multiple angles. Um, I realise after saying that that's a bit dark, uh, especially because of some corners of the internet. But as long as it's like hand drawn, then maybe let them know about this one because they might be interested in X nineteen ninety nine. Although I I don't know why. Anyway, so bye from me. Bye. <laughs>